what's up, everybody? How you guys doing today? Uh, welcome to episode five of Our Sincerest Condolences. I'm Devin. I'm Mike. Um, and just a heads up, I for, for whatever reason, I have this like congestion crap that we played a show outside last Sunday with um, a few people I know that listen. Absolutely incredible show. Um, ever since then, I've just had this crap in my throat. So apologies in advance if I sound a little wonky, but um doesn't matter because we have important shit to talk about. So. <laughs> Dude, it's something that's getting like passed back and forth. Like I haven't been well for... Fuck, yeah. who knows how long. T-shirt's been gnarly out here. And also, I realized that um, when I say last week, I meant uh, mid-March, because who knows when this will come out. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> bear with me. Uh, with the intent for these to be evergreen, then I, I seamlessly fuck it up two minutes in. So, welcome. Welcome. Um, thank you, by the way, for everyone's given some incredible feedback on the first few episodes we posted. Um, it was really, really, really cool. It was great to re-listen to them because we had recorded them a while ago, and it just took a little bit longer to get this going. And yeah, um, it was it was really cool because there was so much interaction. A lot of folks had a lot of things to say about Alien Ant Farm, um, mo- <laughs> mostly back to me, which was incredible. I did not expect that. I kind of went feet first in with that one because yeah. I expected to get blasted. So thank you everybody for for. I was not expecting the show of solidarity for fucking Alien Ant Farm. Oh, perfect! I was no. like, Jesus Christ! Felt real good about it. But every time we dropped an episode, I had to go back and listen to it to brush up to uh, prepare to discuss. So right. as a compliment, thank you guys so much. We appreciate everyone that's uh, that's been so far, and things have been going really well. So here we are. Um, Mike, do you want to introduce this episode? Yeah, for sure. So this was uh, an idea we brainstormed. This is this is sort of low hanging fruit, but it's I don't know. I I think it's always fun to talk about, which was our favorite opening tracks. So any genre, but I think you know we were talking about that, and I think this is going to be one of the first episodes where we actually talk about hardcore music, like almost exclusively. But I then know. I got a good mix, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, but then I, I say that, and I know a couple of mine aren't. So you know, sure. we'll see where it leads. I'm also not sure it's low hanging fruit because there was definitely some tracks. I was at the gym. And I was like, oh, man, I feel like this had a good intro track. And I put it on. I was like, no, this is soft. Okay. Yeah. This didn't right, work right. out. And I was like, or perhaps it just didn't age well because my 19-year-old brain at the moment was like, this is the hardest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. And then <laughs> 20-some years passed, and here we are. But, uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll start if you don't mind. Yeah. For- so I found out that we are recording this on the day of the 21st anniversary of this record. So it feels fitting to start off with it. Um and what I found with this artist, as well as quite a few on here, was I was like, yo, this is the best intro track ever. And then I would check out the rest of their intro tracks and be like, shit, they have like three bang, like three <laughs> right. albums with like bangers at the jump, yeah. which is to be expected. I suppose this, a lot of these artists, once you figure it out, they stick with it. Um, but we'll start with uh, with the album Perseverance by Haybreed. Happy 21st birthday. You can go out and drink now with the rest of us. Um, <laughs> that first track, Proven. Oh, from, my God. Yeah, dude. Top five Haybreed songs oh, of yeah. all time. We need to put that on. So there's... Cool. Um, there's this uh, bar here in Denver called the Crow Bar that we'll go to sometimes. And in the story I'm about to tell, I admit freely, this is kind of an asshole thing, but I just think it's so funny. We'll just hijack the jukebox. We'll go in and people will be playing, you know, not offensively bad shit, but they'll be playing, you know, what, whatever, some, you know, some radio bullshit. That's some soft boy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we'll sit in like a corner booth and just like put on just a bunch of hate breed and kill switch and shit. It's, it's always great to do that. Cause we try not to smile. Like nobody knows it's us, but no one else looks like they're into any sort <laughs> yeah. of riffs. It's like, cool. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like that. Uh, God, what was it? We Rushmore when Bill Murray, like tried to hide behind the tree and then came out. Yeah. Away. It's exactly like that. That's yeah. how I feel every <laughs> single time we do this because I'm like, no, it none of this shit is subtle. Yeah. And no one um, in there looks like us when we're doing that. No. <laughs> but I think this is definitely one of, one of, again, top five hate breed tracks for me. Those who know me, it's, I think they're the best, most successful hardcore band of all time. Yeah. Um, love them or hate them. You can't deny that. 
But that track, I mean, from the jump where it's just kick drum guitar in and he just yells, you want to see me fail, you won't get the chance. Dude, yeah. I'm just like, dude, they set the precedence for what was an album that was literally twice as long as the previous one. It took five years to come out and it was just a punch in the gut yeah. immediately. And I really struggled with this because I also think the Empty Promises off of Satisfaction Ooh, is a Death Desire. Yeah. Also a banger because it's like a minute 16, mm-hmm. something like that. Something ridiculous. It's it's well under a minute and a half. Yeah. Um, but nah, Proven, Proven, Proven's a banger, so... It's funny because I don't have the same level of love for Hatebreed that, that you, well, no one's got the same level of love that you do for them. <laughs> Rico does. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where like, you know, I've always respected Hatebreed and I, I, I've told you, you know, the, the song that they have that really gets me is uh, that song, This Is Now, yeah. where I'll just, yeah, I'll just start crowd killing in the middle of a coffee shop if that comes on. Like, But uh, yeah, every time I hear one of these, hear a Hatebreed song, I'm never mad. And yeah, that's one of those songs where I'm like, yeah, why don't I listen to this more often? Because that song is just, it, it is really fucking incredible. Like, I, I put that album on today to try to decide which of the two I wanted to go with. And all of a sudden, I was like seven tracks in. I was like, shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like, how oh, is this too good? Exactly. But, yeah. Hey, Dude, we- you know what I realized? That um, we're doing this episode, and normally we trade notes, and we didn't do that for this episode. No, not at all. And I kind of like it. So let's just see where the, where the day takes us. I have at least <laughs> two, maybe three things on here. That I think we might double up on, so. Okay, probably. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, that, that's the nice thing is we each have, like, a robust list. So yeah. I've got I've got reserves. So, um, so my first one is going way back. And this song, so, so it's, yeah, I, I did it again, so it's not a hardcore song. <laughs> but, but it is a heavy song. And it's actually, it's, if I had to pinpoint the moment I wanted to learn to play guitar, it was the first time I heard this song and it's um, cult of personality by living color. And it's just like, to this day, it's one of my favorite riffs of all time. And it's just one of those things where it's just like every single second of it hits Mm -hmm. and every single choice that they make is abandoned. It is phenomenal. And it just, it set the tone not only for the album, but for the band, Yeah, you know, and it's, it, it's just one of those songs where I included, and I actually haven't looked at the track list for that first record vivid for a while. So even if someone tells me in, in you know, the show comments are like, Oh, it's actually song two or three. Fuck it. Don't care. <laughs> like, because that was my introduction to the band and to everything they did. It was the first song I ever heard by them. And like I said, when I was little that I was like, how are they making that sound? What is making that sound? How can I learn to do that? And to this day, it's just one of like, every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh my God, it just fills me with just this energy sure. that is hard to describe. I just also, I absolutely love that song. Quick, uh, quick research. You are correct. It is the first track on the Tight. album. Tight. All right. That's, so, how I, that's how I remembered it from my cassette good of, that, of that album. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Um, I don't think this track needs an introduction. NWA is straight out of Compton. Oh yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, got, I, got, I got nothing. Yeah, I, that's just oh my god. It's a hard, yeah. God, I can't believe I didn't think of that. It's one of the hardest tracks ever. <laughs> god, what a great song. So I thought of this because there's another artist I I, I have coming up later as a hip hop artist. Um, that I love the intensity of coming with an intro track. That's a middle finger. That's yeah. like you can't fuck with this. Like we are better than you. Like yeah. we're pissed we're a significantly better artist, like your shit's weak and it doesn't fucking matter. And then just maintaining that for a full album. Right. And I feel like NWA really set the standard back in the early nineties with that, just dropping that track, which, you know, I'm not sure it's the best song on the album. It's debatable. I mean, you know, there's obviously fuck the police. Yeah, exactly. Track, but yeah, I mean, straight out of comp, it's just, 
It's, yeah, that, it's a hard ass song. It's such a fucking middle finger to everything. Like, yeah. like it, it totally changed. It, it, it's kind of like like hip hop wise. It was sort of the smells like Teen Spirit, very much so of, of the time. Like it just upset everything. It was it a turned everything shift. Yeah, exactly. And they, I mean, even the beginning of the album or the beginning of the video where they just like kind of bust out. Yeah, that's how that song feels. It feels like you're just busting out, and it's just like I hope this scares you. Right, you yeah. don't care because fuck you. We are NWA, and here we are. And that's it's still to this day when I hear that song, I'm like, God, it's so God. powerful. I'm, I'm going to listen to that record when we finish this. Yeah. But I'm probably going to say that like four more times today. <laughs> like, what's funny is also when I think of that song, and I'm not comparing the two by any stretch, but it just cracks me up. Um, do you remember that movie CB4? Yeah. No, so I always think of Straight Outta Locash. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite... That's like one of my favorite MC names of all time, even though there's not a real MC, is Stabmaster Arson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that movie was the dumbest shit. I also loved when the real MC Gusto got out of prison. It was Charlie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, MC Gusto. Oh, God. Yeah, all right. All right. I actually know way too much about CB4. I was so going to say, I'm going to talk about that all afternoon. I'm happy, right. to, I'm happy to <laughs> derail us there, but yeah. Right. Chris Elliott, Chris Elliott was, uh, was pretty fucking great in that movie, too. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Good shit. <laughs> Um, so my next one is, uh, again, a song I've loved from way back in the day. So, so I used to have this babysitter who was like, her son and I went to school and this is back in like grade school. And I think once we got around to like middle school, he was like the first friend of mine that got like arrested and like caught on campus drinking and shit like that. Um, don't know whatever happened to that dude, but, um, I remember his mom. So my parents, super hyper Christian, they dropped me off at his mom's apartment and she, was always playing this music that scared the shit out of me, but I also loved it. Mm. And that music being stuff like Iron Maiden, Slayer, mm. Exodus, and Metallica. And once I started like really digging into it, and so to this day, I think, and we're gonna have a Metallica episode where, you know, Rico's probably gonna tell me why I'm wrong about this. <laughs> but like, to this day, I think Master of Puppets is not only the most perfect heavy metal song, but it's the most perfect heavy metal record. Like if, if you had to like define it for like someone yeah. landing on the planet. So that said, battery is my absolute favorite, like just straight metal oh, opener. Like, holy shit. The way that comes in, like, and just like, and even though it starts with acoustic guitar, you know, you can feel it. You're like, all right, something really destructive. Yeah. But it's just is about to it's happen. It's just from that to like the kind of kick drum and then the fucking riff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, I, I do think the Master of Puppets is their most complete record. And yeah. if somebody, if somebody at this point in 2023 said I'd never heard Metallica, where should I start? I'd say, what the, where the fuck have you been living? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But also, I, I would give them Master of Puppets and just, yeah, just 100% it on start to finish. You know, I love. I actually really kind of came for some of some of the later era stuff. Like, I really kind of think that Hardwired to Self Destruct had a couple tracks. Dude, I love that um, record. I absolutely will cape for that record. Yeah. Sure, and like. I don't know. I mean, I still think I still love Hero of the Day, which yeah. okay for Death Magnetic all day long. But yeah, we'll, we'll have the Metallica episode. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. But I do think that, especially early era with the heavy stuff, that's hands down their most complete record. Yeah, and but yeah, yeah batteries and ass beater, dude. Yeah, absolutely, dude. All right, so this is another one I had a tough time with. I actually, I got hung up between three, three number, you know, first tracks on albums from this man. Um, I chose this one because of the guitar player specifically on it, mm -hmm. which you could also say the same for the other two. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to open this up to you since you don't know what's going on as well. But I chose uh, Mr. Tinker Train by, Dude, yeah. by Ozzy off of uh, No More Tears. Yeah. And where I really struggled was, I mean, Bark at the Moon is also the first track on Bark at the Moon. And, um, <laughs> 
you know, Dire Madman has Over the Mountain, which is also a banger. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah. all of those are great tracks, but yeah. I fucking love Mr. Tinker Train. It's weird. Yeah. Um, it's a weird title. It's a weird concept for a song. Yeah. It's, but Zach Wilde just does pig squeals in it after the mm -hmm. chorus, and I love that shit so, like, to yeah. this day. That is flat out my favorite Aussie record. Same, like, same. flat out. The, the His band on that was, God, it was, it was, who was it? It was Zach Wilde. It was Mike Borden from Faith No More. Yep. Uh, Mike Starr from Alice in Chains. Yep. Like, it was just like, to me, it was never better before or after. Like, no, and I mean, this wall-to-wall, -wall, like, wall-to-wall -wall tracks on that record. Yeah, I love, absolutely. I love that record so much, and I really think it's kind of the last, like, perfect record he did. And yeah. Same thing with Metallica. I think that every Aussie record, even some of the newer shit, still has a couple tracks on it. I know it's total old guy shit, but he, he did that uh, <laughs> duet with Elton John. Like, Dude, that was actually kind of sick. It, it I mean, was sick. It, I, if you're going to compare it with Metallica, it went way better than Lulu went for them. No, it did. No, <laughs> like, it was one of those things where I was like, all right, this is actually kind of fucking cool. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah, good call. Mr. Wow, Tinker Train. Good call. And I, yeah. All right, I got to go listen to that this afternoon. <laughs> um, all right, my next one. All right, now I'll get to heavy music after this. <laughs> um, Dude. All time, best intro ever. I've never met a person that doesn't get excited about this song. Even people who don't like the artist, don't like the genre, never met someone who isn't excited about this song. Let's Go Crazy by Prince. Oh, man. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, like it, that's one of those things where it's like, don't stop believing. Where, like, when that intro comes on where he's like, dearly beloved, and everybody yes. knows all the words, everybody's going along. Like, I don't want to meet people who don't like that shit. <laughs> like, it's one of the most fun songs ever written like and then just the the payoff of it you know just just amazing construction amazing performance and then it gets to the end with that extended almost like acapella guitar solo yeah where he's just shredding by himself yeah and then with a huge like almost like big band outro like it's, it's some of the most arena shit ever it's perfect yep. it's absolutely phenomenal i won't hear anything otherwise <laughs> i i can't argue against it i mean i love friends yeah, like it's something I, I would die for. Is my favorite song ever. Oh yeah, Prince. it's an amazing song. But, I'm not even saying "Let's Go Crazy" is Prince was Prince's best song. Oh, but it, yeah. but, it, but it's a hell of a, a hell of a kick in the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, similar to what you said about uh about Straight Outta Compton. It, it it's something that you know he's making his presence known. Mm -hmm. He's like everybody, you are going to pay attention to this. Yes. <laughs> like, sweet. My next um, I'm gonna dig a little deep on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip down further. Uh, this is a record I listened to the other day. And I think it's unfortunate that this record doesn't get more love than it did because when did it come out? Gosh, it's not super old. Uh, 2017. And it's a super group album. I think that really kind of fell on its face just because the, like, the label that put it out was, was a big metal label. Hmm. And it, this is not a metal record. And it doesn't sound like any of the members did this. And usually when it's a super group, I kind of turn my nose up and move on. Right. Um, but uh, Less Art put out an album called yeah. Strangled Light. Yeah, and um, for those not familiar with Less Art, it's uh, the singer from Curl Up and Die, um, a couple of folks from Thrice, and gosh, I can't remember who the other two guys are. Um, is this someone from Kowloon Waltz? It is correct. Yep, yeah. yep. And so the first track on there is called um, "Optimism as Survival," and even if you loved Curl Up and Die, um, the which I did, yeah, as did I, but yeah. he doesn't scream like that on this record. It's more right. of like a sing talk kind of thing, and right, the entire record is essentially about just depression and dealing with like trauma and the death in your family. And um, I mean, the, the first song itself has a line where he says, I'm too curious to kill myself. Yeah. And it's just like, that shakes me. And <sighs> yeah. I love that record. If you guys haven't heard it, less art, A R T. Um, yeah. super good. 
I think it has like four plays regularly on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Something that's just absolutely criminal. Yeah, um, it's way underrated. It's criminally underrated. But yeah, less art records called Strangled Light. Um, check that out. Really, first like one two punch is pretty incredible. Like Diana the Huntress is also a banger. Yeah, yeah. But Optimism as a survival. It's a song I'll put on regularly. Just that track and move on. So yeah, yeah. Less art. Check it out. Oh, good call on that one, man. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like that's one of those records that I love it and I forget about it. And I yeah, I think I even have a copy of that record, and I just need yeah, put that on. <laughs> Keep saying that. <laughs> Super nerd shit. I was pumped. I got a test press for that a few years ago. Oh, nice. So. Uh, for those of you that collect records that are don't come with covers and are fucking nerdy, right, right. But I'm, I'm excited about it. <laughs> so my next one, I keep putting my drink way down here, um, is uh, from the Deftones' second record, "Around the Fur," the first track, "My Own Summer," and that is to me just, yeah, God, it's such a perfect song. It's some one of the coolest bass lines I've ever heard in my life. And I remember that um, I I didn't like the Deftones when I first when I heard their first record, mm. and it kills me because my buddy Matt, <laughs> who I grew I grew up with, I remember what was it? It was something like twelfth grade, where he's like, "Dude, I just heard of this band. You're gonna love them," and and it was the first Deftones record. And I was like, "Fuck you, man!" <laughs> I was like, "What is this a joke?" But he was right. He knows me better than I know myself. <laughs> they just took till the second record. And, and part of why I love that record was because they kind of, they ditched a lot of the trappings of new metal, yeah. but also it was just, it was a massive jump in musicianship mm. from the first record where the first record sounded, it sounded like what they were a bunch of kids at the time, you know, like just a bunch of dudes who had just been kind of like doing the thing, but it sounded like real thought went into the songs on the second record. Real thought went into the sequencing. Real thought went into the production. And it was just a massive, massive leap. And I couldn't believe it. And the guy who even, uh, the guy who turned me on to it was this dude, um, I told Devin this story, it was this record store in Santa Barbara. It's not there anymore, I don't think, but it was called Morning Glory. And there was this dude who worked uh, at a punk label, Ebolition. And he was playing stuff for me, like, you know, like Yafet Kodo, Mercado, and like, um, IG-88 and all this like super obscure, like uh, noisy emo and, and hardcore. And yeah, I walked in one day shopping for something totally different. He's like, dude, he's like, go listen to the new Deftones. I was like, ha whatever. He's like, no, really? Yeah. Really? And I, yeah, I, I just sat there at the listening station because remember that shit. Yeah, I miss that shit. <laughs> yeah. And I listened to the whole album. I just stood there in place for like whatever it was, like 40 minutes and just listen to the whole record. And dude, yeah, that song specifically, I'll still put it on playlists and all kinds of shit because it's just an amazing opening track. It is. I um, I struggle with whether that's their best one or Swerve City off of Koi Nadi. Okay. Yeah, Swerve City's, a, oh yeah, that's that's a great song. I don't know, that one's great. I mean, again, that's another band who knows how to open a record, like Diamond Eyes has yeah. a self-titled track. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And again, like a lot of these bands, I feel like you find the formula of that like punch in the gut to open yeah. the record. I think the Deftones are good at it. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I agree, man. Like, definitely. Round the Fur is a wild record. I love yeah. that record. But yeah, My Own Summer is, is a great way to start it. Yeah. They've had Max Cavalier on it. Yeah, what's that song? MX or whatever? Yep. Or, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> As I often do, I'll, I'm, I'm going to take two steps and turn this into a Limp Bizkit conversation. But, <sighs> um, also, I don't have any Limp Bizkit whatsoever on my, uh, my best intro tracks. I don't believe you. Um, that's okay. <laughs> I can make it up real quick. I actually don't. The list, the list got too long. Um, I actually listened to the first Soulfly record the other day. Okay. 
I have not fucked with that band forever. It's the only record of theirs I can fuck with. Um, and I forgot it has Fred Durst on it, and he screams the bulk of the time. And then the track is real derailed when he kind of raps over, essentially, Sepultura, <laughs> which doesn't work. Right, right. Um, but I was like, man, that man, that dude, could, that dude has some screams. I'm not sure why he dumped that shit. Probably because it didn't make, doesn't pay the bills. But yeah, exactly. But if, dude, if they had been a screamy band, I probably would have been way less upset about their very existence. Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, the first record had a lot of screaming, and then immediately after there was zero. Yeah. Right. And I was like, well, fuck it. All right, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> screaming's hard to hurt your body, so whatever. <laughs> All right, so a, one of the few bands I love more than Hatebreed is um is a band called Coalesce. Dude, yeah, yes. from. Lawrence, Kansas, sort of Kansas City. I don't know. There's 8,000 members of that band over the years. Right. Um, I don't know how many times I saw them living here. I unintentionally saw their true last show because I know they had maybe a dozen last shows. Right. But um, a buddy of mine and I went to Middle of the Map Fest in Lawrence, Kansas. Fucking, I don't even know, 10 years ago, maybe longer. And uh, saw, it, it was it was like five or six venues. It was really cool, really cool. Um lineup but one night specifically in one venue in kansas city it was called the riot room um rest in peace really cool venue but it was um it was like casket lottery apple seed cast coalesce and fucked up oh my god and that's I, and, oh wow and i was like we just have to get in and not leave because that's gonna yeah. be capacity at some point holy shit uh, it was wild there was like people watching through the window and they're fogging up when fucked up played damien like went through the emergency exit out to the sidewalk to like scream with the kids it was one of the coolest things that that's ever rad. seen but coalesce specifically that was actually their last Turned out to be their last set. Okay. And at one point, Jess, their guitar player, was hanging upside down from some sort of, like, scaffolding, playing guitar, like, in the middle of the crowd. That's so sick. And at that point, they were a four-piece. You know, a lot, most, of the, most of the time, they were a four-piece. But he, there was a security guard that was, like, kind of being a little aggressive with kids who were trying to stage dive. And mid-song, he took his guitar off and just threw it at the dude. And, like, shoved <laughs> him and screamed at him and then picked it up and continued to play, like, nice. as if nothing happened. And I was like, this is exactly what I loved of this band so much. Yeah. But, um... They're another band that's got a ton of them, but we'll stick with Functioning on Impatience in the first track, You Can't Kill Us All. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Oh, my I mean, God, dude. The acapella verse at the beginning, which... Which is legit one of the heaviest things, like, ever yes. recorded. So I saw... Again, I saw a few times, but um, I saw them in fucking Wayne, Michigan, which is, like, a suburb of Detroit at a fest, and it was... Uh, they did that, and he did it off mic and screamed and filled the entire VFW hall. Oh, and it was God. the most brutal shit I've ever heard. And then two weeks later, they played Denver. He had no voice left, which I was like, well, I kind of know why. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, You Can't Kill Us All is an absolutely oppressive track. What bums me out, though, is I think this might be my favorite record they ever put out. However, they dropped a noise track at track two, which I fucking hate. And like, I don't know. The album picks up immediately afterward. And I was like, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we just put this at the end? It's almost it's almost off-putting. Right. But it, I don't know. In, in a certain way, it's it's almost like a breath after that first track when they when they just crush again. But right, right. I, don't know, I fucking love Coalesce. If you guys haven't listened to them, it's yeah, some of they're, them. They're one of our biggest influences as musicians. And, Hands down. Well, it's also funny because you mentioned that record. No, I'm glad you did because that has one of my favorite closers. Definitely my favorite closer of any Coalesce album. Sure. Which is that song, A Disgust for Details. Yeah, it's incredible. And that, and. Again, I'm a big wah pedal fan, and that's one of the few hardcore songs I've ever heard with an awesome wah pedal yep. where he like works it into the riff. It's a weird record, man. So sick. Like, I mean, even middle of the album that's got that track on being a bastard, which is just absolutely oppressively brutal. I mean, the whole EP I think is less than you know, it's eight songs. One of them's a noise track, um, front to back, just incredible record. So, right, coalesce, man. If <laughs> you talk about that, and how many times they broke up, also. Fuck anybody who has anything to say about this band. I mean, it's absolute, just a 
I mean, kind of call him a hardcore band. I'm not sure I would. Just noisy intensity, and then all of a sudden they dropped an entire Led Zeppelin cover album. Yeah, dude, which is fucking half of it was acoustic. Yeah, no, that was like a tribute to the guitar player's dad who passed away. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wild. Okay. Yeah. yeah, So the A side of it is is all full band, and the B side is just just playing guitar and singing like his dad's favorite songs, which is kind of fucking cool. Right. But yeah, it's called "There's Nothing New Under the Sun." Yeah, I I remember that EP coming out. I had no idea it was it was like a tribute. That's very cool. Yep. Then they dropped that, and then they didn't put shit out for like a decade. Yeah. So. Respect to Colas. Nice, dude. All right, my next one. Um, this is a band that it's one of those bands that I just I love this. They're one of my favorite bands. They're so consistent, and even their bad stuff is way better than most stuff that comes out uh, around them. Uh, and they've kind of run the gamut between like metalcore and they get called death metal now. I don't really think that's accurate, but Lamb of God Fair. and uh, death metal. I don't think they are, but uh, yeah, yeah, going back to um, their classic record, Ashes of the Wake, that first song, Laid to Rest. Yeah, Holy shit, dude. The, the first time I heard that, not only was it one of the gnarliest heavy things I ever heard, but it was also a style of guitar playing that it made me immediately want to level up my own playing. Sure. Like it, it was just, they were doing things guitar wise that I had just never even imagined because it was, it was clearly very metal and it had all, you know, the trappings of metal as far as the accuracy and the fast movement, but it had groove and emotion that a lot of metal lacks, you know, like, like when you get into a lot of metal guitar riffs and we can make this a whole episode too, where it's like, that's often my times. My problem with it is that it will become so technically proficient. It's like, yeah, I absolutely can't do that. That's amazing. Hats off. But I don't feel anything for fun. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's no, not we, fun. We talk like, about this all the time. Like, yeah. You know, seeing certain bands play or playing with various bands. You're like, man, this band is proficient as fuck. These songs are tight. And it's the least fun I've had for 45 minutes in a while. Exactly. And it's yeah. brutal and it sucks. And, like, it's kind of a goal of ours as a band to just try to be as fun as you can. Because I think a lot of heavy bands take themselves way too seriously. 100% they do. And yeah. so it's a, it's a real bummer when something is is sterile. Yeah, and exactly. Has, it has that feel to it where you're like, this this is sick, to your point. Yeah. But, God, it's boring. Yeah, exactly. And of God always definitely bucked that trend. And also, that song is really fucking hard to play. Yeah, it I, is, I, dude. Like, And that's what I love. Like, that's that song, I was using it as, like, once I learned how to play it, I was using it as, like, a warm-up for a long time because I was just like, oh, my God. Like, you, you have to use your the entirety of your body almost yeah. <laughs> like to play that song. Like. Yeah, absolutely. I think somebody gave us a B plus as a compliment when we covered it. And I was like, it's pretty good, man. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take a B plus. Like, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's just hard as fuck. Yeah, totally. But yeah, no, respect a lot to Lamb of God. Still put it on. And I don't know, almost more of like a groove metal kind of vibe. Or Yeah, exactly. What is it? The uh, new wave of American heavy metal? I think they kind of fall into that. Yeah, I think, they, I think they did get grouped into that, which makes, that makes a lot more sense to me than calling them a death metal band. Yeah. Um, man, I'm trying to say how many more. <laughs> Let's talk about Danzig. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, so, so talk about punk Elvis. Fuck, e- evil Elvis. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I don't like the Misfits. Um, y'all, y'all can at me on that one. That's fine. But Danzig, yeah. the first four Danzig records, I I will give for a hard. Um, the first one's great. It's not my favorite. I know it has Mother and a bunch of other tracks on it. I hate However, that song, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> the second album specifically um, has, I think, the best one-two punch maybe ever in songs first first track is uh long way back from hell the second track is snakes of christ snakes of christ is a sick yeah. song that's the a long, great song a long way back from hell just has that riff that they open up with they kind of just like bend it yeah and let it breathe and then it just picks it picks up and picks up and 
I really feel like that's the record where Danza kind of started to find his voice. Because yeah. really, Mother actually didn't pop off off of the first album. It, right. it, there was a re-recorded version of it off of an EP that they did that was half studio stuff, half live, and that's when that album, or that song Oh, popped. really? Really? Yeah. But I think that Danzig 2 is really where where they found their voice on that, and it's yeah. just a good fucking rock record. Yeah. You know, it's not a metal record, and I don't know, I love the fact that the, the bass player's name was John Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it was just... Isn't that the, that record's called Lucifuge or Lucifuge, something? Yeah. yeah. Which I, I always love. I always loved that the shirts for that record. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, that was kind of a... I think that was the record where... He started using the Danzig logo choking out Jesus on the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, read, I don't know. I think I sent you an interview with somebody, asked him about that. He's, and he's like, asked him about the shirt. And he talked about it. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> and that was kind of all he yeah, said. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, all right. Man was, I'm sure the man was an asshole from day one. He didn't right. really bum me out at this point, but it's a banger track. And really, Danzig three, like how the gods was it? Is how the gods kill? Is that one Danzig three or is that Danzig four? I forget. Oh man, I gotta look this one one second. I almost sound like a total ass. Well, more so than I normally do, but um, <laughs> that uh, I mean, those first four records just have tracks in general. Yeah, Danzig three is how how the how the gods kill, and Danzig four is just Danzig four. Right. Um, but yeah, how the gods kill has a great first track to uh, to a godless. The reason I didn't choose Godless is because it's seven minutes long and it's right. like way too long of a fucking intro. Yeah, um, when bands do that, like a big, I don't know, the new Periphery album has a solid opener that's like ten minutes long, but it really feels like two songs, and that's part of why I don't. Sure. I wasn't going to include it on this list, but I agree with you. When opening tra- opening tracks, in my opinion, like they have to be to the point. Sure. Well, because I really thought about that record a lot, but every other song is under five minutes except for the intro. Right. It's like, God, you guys suck the wind out of me. And it's a great song, but it, it, it needed to be parted down. Yeah. It really dances like four has brand new God, which is also a banger, but yeah, we'll just stay with uh we'll stay with Lucifuge. Nice. I know with Danzig, like like I said, I was never a huge fan of the music, but God, they had the best merch. Yeah. It's so many great shirts. I've got a I've got a handful of boots myself. The bootleg game is strong these days. Right. And I'm fine, uh I'm I'm fine taking that. <laughs> All right, dude, may, um, oh, God, we're, we're doing great on time, too. We're going to get to all the bonus tracks. Sick. That's cool, because I, I didn't look at that. I just kept going. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to switch the order on mine, because um, these are the last of my initial picks. Um, so this one, uh, so Every Time I Die, R-E-P, R-I-P, R-E-P, R-I-P, <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> dude, like, yeah, amazing band, wildly influential. Like we were talking about before, just one of the most fun bands on recording and live. And that's hard to get fun to translate into a recording. That's really, really difficult. They had so many great songs, so many great songs. But again, uh, that uh, my favorite album, or my second favorite album of them, but uh, X Lives, absolute best album opener, Underwater Bimbos from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. And that's one where he just screams, I want to be dead with my friends. Yeah, I hate just that like, name, but it's such a great song. Yeah, yeah. that name cracks me up because it doesn't match the song at all. No. You know, it's like, it's like a, it sounds like a, you know, a 50s B-horror movie or something, you know, and that's kind of why it, it's so funny to me. But God, I love that song so much. Even their final record, uh, Radical had Dark Distance, which was... Yeah, like, that's awesome. a great opener. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good opener. Yeah, so strong way to go out. Again, that was just another band who knew how to start a, start an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they were great with it. What was the uh, what was the intro on Low Teens? 
Oh, Fear and Trembling. Mm-hmm. Great yeah, track. That's had, a good song, um, too. I had Tim Singer from Dead Guy on it. Oh, yeah, I did. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. So, respect to, uh, man, rest in peace every time, Monday. Uh, dude. Grateful we got to see him on the last tour. It was really weird. Towards the end, you kind of you could feel the energy was different. Yeah, the exactly. Set was, the set was absolutely crushing, but outside of that, it felt a little odd. And yeah, I did. The wheels fell off about a week later. Yeah, so I was glad we got to see that show because, and even with with saying that, how it felt weird until they got on stage. Man, once they got on stage, yeah, it was admit, phenomenal. Like like anyone who had walked in right then wouldn't have been able to tell yep, I there agree. was anything weird. Yep. You know, like when they were all just sort of hanging out around the venue, you're like, eh, it's like, ah, oh, what's going on here? But, uh, you know, that's, that's all, we, you know, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like Underwater Bimbos is such an amazing track. I love the guitar riffs in that song. Like, and just everything about it, everything about it is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. I feel like I have to take a moment out myself. So the reason I actually didn't choose a Limp Bizkit song is because <laughs> all of their albums have an intro track that's like 40 seconds long. Right, right. But <laughs> the first God. the first real song on a three dollar bill, y'all, is pollution. <sighs> Banger. Lots of screaming on that track. Anyway. Grown. I'm not gonna spend any more. I won't spend any more time on it. But that's a great track, dude. Oh you can, yeah, I'll believe you. You can believe me. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. That's I'll do, I'll, I'll listen to it you and I'll get to it I'll in a couple put, years. I'll put, it on, put it on the playlist. <laughs> Alright, so when discussing the reason that the reason actually I kind of circle back to NWA when I was creating this list was I was really struggling with which run the jewels album had, yeah, dude. had the best intro track because I think one, two and four all do. Yeah. I think number three kind of starts off mellow and builds and I'm sure it was on purpose. Yeah. Um, I went with jeopardy from run the jewels too, dude. Yeah. But I really struggled because the first album also, I mean, has, has the title track, yeah, and it's very much in that same vein. And right, I love the spirit of the first record because they shit all over watch the like watch the throne, the uh, Jay Z Kanye West album, like four or five times, take digs at them, and then just got away with it. Yeah. And I realized like these Run the Jewels put out the superior record. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> like, these weren't dudes who were like new on the block by any means. Right, like, right. Obviously, they had story careers and LP specifically between all the solo stuff and Cannibal Ox and then. Yeah, right. All the Def Jux albums. I mean, the, yeah. the, the man the, the man had a name for him. We'll just say that. Yeah, totally. But yeah, Jeopardy on Run the Jewels too is just good call. Good call. Just an ass beater. I just love the beginning when when Killer Killer Mike's just yelling yeah. at the beginning about banging this the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Let's go, L." And then the song starts. I'm like, "God, he's just dude's just probably 20 feet away from the microphone, just yelling about how like we're gonna fucking go and just." Just crush. Yeah, the dude. whole record crushes through. Like I, I felt like the spirit behind the first one was more just a fuck you, and the second one was just such a massive level up. Yeah, totally. Um, and it did actually help me kind of go back a little bit to the LP's three solo records, all mm-hmm. of which... All of which are fucking awesome. Yeah, and all have, have great intro yeah. tracks. And same thing with Killer Mike. Like, yep. I, I I slept on Killer Mike for a minute, man. Like, I had heard the name, like, and I heard him on, like, like guesting on tracks. Yep. But yeah, when I finally heard Run the Jewels, I was like, holy shit. Well, it's because I, like, I don't... The... The first Killer Mike album that really hit was Rap Music, which was yeah, pretty, that one's a, a which was produced by LB. And okay. I think his stuff earlier that was good, not great, but the beats weren't as, as good, and right. they ended up just just mashing together. And LB yeah. produced that record, and then yeah. here we are Took today. Bad, but yeah, I mean, I, I did I did reach back and and think about you know I'll sleep when you're dead. Yeah, that I do. Never, yeah, has that song Tasmanian Pain Coaster is the first track mm-hmm. that has Cedric and Omar from Mars Volta at the Drive-In on it. 
which is wild, and like Cancer for Cure has that track request denied. Yeah. Banger <laughs> intro. So like, oh man, I don't know. Uh, LP knows what he's doing. And what's interesting, I didn't think about this until today, is all four records start with Killer Mike rapping first. Yeah. And I, I like it because I, I think Killer Mike is more aggressive. I think the LP can be kind of come off as like a casual cockiness, right. which I think works really well. But Killer, yeah. I mean, Killer Mike is the guy. There was a really interesting podcast where um, Open Mike Eagle interviews one person for the entire season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those are really good. And, yeah, those were really good. And, and he was like, he's like, man, sometimes we record this shit and I hear Killer Mike and I'm just like, dude, I'm the guy that's standing next to you on stage while you say this shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Full, fully like ready to take 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 heat for somebody <laughs> coming at him. But yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's a really good call. And also, Run Run the Jewels Four, man. That first song, "Yankee and the Brave," is yes. sick. Like, well, if they so, ever had like a theme song, yeah. I feel like that was it. Well, first line is it was back at it like a crack addict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like oof. no. I, I mean, I also shout out to Killer Mike for using the term "fuck boy" more times than I've I've right. heard in my entire life. <laughs> I love it, dude. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just we can do a Run the Jewels episode. I fucking love that. All right, so my, my okay, my last of the main picks. Oh man, I only have two left. Okay, I've got like four <laughs> left. Like, um, uh, second favorite band of all time, favorite heavy band of all time. They can do no wrong in my opinion, or could do no wrong in my opinion. And every single album they put out was gold, but I still feel like their absolute best opening uh, track. So this is Dillinger Escape Plan. And the song Prancer off of One of Us is the Killer. So that's the one that like it just it starts out with those hits. Yeah. And then it these these really weird odd time hits and it turns it into a groove somehow. Yeah. And it's just got this weird cycle. I've been listening to that song for like something like ten years and I still have never quite figured out the count sure. on, on how they do the accents to those hits. And it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's it's the best lineup, it's the best some of the best performances sure. of everyone in that band. So it's I phenomenal. Song. I struggle with this. I actually, I almost went with that one. I, I did have Dillinger on my list, but I went with Panasonic Youth from Miss Machine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Song. But yeah. I actually, if you looked at my notes, which you didn't, cause I didn't show you, um, <laughs> I have both listed and it was kind of, kind of be a game time decision. Yeah. Yeah. So which one I chose, but now again, Dillinger's a, a, another example of a band who knows how to just start a record. That's just, absolutely oppressive and weird from the jump yeah absolutely I yeah. Mean, and even if you want to go back 43% Brent was that was the first track if I'm not mistaken no that was the second track on that was record. it yeah oh no yeah. I think the first track was um was oh it was Sugar Coated Sour <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. still a great intro track though oh yeah absolutely yeah it was an amazing right. song yeah. like yeah dude yeah for me it was it was, a, it was gonna be a, it was a toss up between Prancer and um Farewell Mona Lisa sure. from uh, Option Paralysis. But I just think Prancer, similar to what I said about, about like Battery or Master of Puppets for Metallica, like Prancer does everything Dillinger does. It, it just lays it out for the listener. Like that's another one of those tracks where like if someone had never heard Dillinger, I would play that first. I know a lot of people would go with 40, 43% Burnt, sure. but I would play Prancer first. So this does, I was like, this would do everything that the band does and it does it succinctly and perfectly. It gives you a perfect idea of what you're getting into. I just, I absolutely love that. Fair. All right. Damn it. All right, so you took one off my list. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine, dude. It's all right, dude. Bonus track. I got another one on the side, man. It's not even on the list, so. <laughs> Last one on the list, though, for me is um, Whirl by Softkill off the album Choke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was really kind of the cornerstone of when that band made a shift. 
and I know um, the the main writer, singer, guitarist has talked a lot about kind of his his addiction issues in the past and his sobriety, and that was a real shift when he started to kind of find himself and right. you know was really kind of less succumbed to. And I really think that that was the record that shifted the band to being good, like quite frankly, just good. I think yeah, I think yeah, first yeah. records are fine. I, I don't have any digs at them, but right. compared to where they ended up once he sobered up, like that record's absolutely incredible. And I think Whirl is is kind of a genre-defining song for them at the time, which was the semi-electronic shoegaze yeah, yeah. they were dropping, which is a massive, massive track and still still their number one song on uh, on Spotify. Yeah, again, yeah. I mean, they've put out records since, and I think like Dead Kids, R.I.P. City. It's probably oh, their, God, that's a great yeah, record. It's probably their most complete record. I think that's my favorite in their discography, yeah. like for sure. However, yeah, World is just absolutely incredible. You know, yeah. incredible first track, incredible just dancey song. It's long; it's five minutes, which for me sometimes is too much for an intro song, but not with that track, man. I love no, that that, that track moves at a, at a really good pace. It's a really fun song. Um, it's again, it's one of those songs also that like. I don't listen to soft kill very often when that song comes on. I, I think it was in like Sputnik a little bit ago and it came on and I was, just, I always get super excited about that song specifically. I'm like, Oh yeah, there it is. Like nice. All right. Bonus tracks. <laughs> oh, man. I, got, I got one more off the top. Man. Yeah. One more. All right. I've got, all right. Let me, let me mix. Let me cross a couple off this list. Got a little excited. I know. I did. I did. There's so many, there's so many, Every time um, we do this, I'm like, I can't fucking come up with five. And then I'm like, I have 11. What a God damn yeah, man. exactly. All right, let me... Um, all right, let, let me call out to two here. Um, one is... Uh, yeah, we'll just do two more. All right. Uh, so... <laughs> This one is uh, a band that I love, and it's it, they're one of those bands I think again super consistent um, and just really amazing musicians. Actually, I think they just put out a new record, but it's um, August Burns Red, and so they put out a record in 2020, right when the world stopped, and it kind of fucked them. And it was a great record, but the record didn't do nearly as well as their other records. Because I think they're, you know, they had a huge tour plan sure. and, you know, obviously all those plans got canceled. And I, I feel like just the album just didn't take off the way the ones on either side of it did. Uh, but it was this record, uh, I think the album's called Guardians. Okay. But the very first uh, uh, song is a song called The Narrative. And it's just, it's fucking incredible. It's just got so many cool riffs and this wild section in the, mid in the middle of the song where it's just like this 30 second blast beat. Like, then the drummer's just going absolutely apeshit. Just some of the best drumming I've ever heard in my life. Nice. And just, it's just one of those, again, perfect songs that, like, I wish that album had done better for them and more people had heard that album. Sure. Because it's a phenomenal, phenomenal song. It's far and away my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. But it, in my opinion, it's, you know, like any band, they've got phases. And that album, to me, was sort of like a return to form about what I liked about them because they had, you know, they're, they're always doing experiments and I really respect that they're always trying to stretch themselves and write different albums every time. But they put out like two or three in a row that I was like, nothing bad to say about it. It just sure. doesn't speak to me, you sure. know, and that record. So that record I was really excited about specifically that song. So I was like, all right, they're doing the thing I love. Like, this is amazing. So yeah, that's, that's one of my bonus tracks. Sweet. <laughs> I got two more. I came up right, right. with two quick. Nice. Um, same band. I almost put them up, but different eras. 
So we'll start with Black Sabbath from the band Black Sabbath off the album Black Sabbath. <laughs> God's Hate from the because, album God's yeah. Hate by the band God's Hate. No. <laughs> Maybe Black Sabbath was the first to ever do that. Um, absolutely incredible song. It's six and a half minutes long. It doesn't matter. I mean, this... it, does, it doesn't matter. Black Sabbath songs had to be that long. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, I also love to think about. Think about like Merciful Fate, King Diamond, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, anything of that era when they have these records with just this gnarly intense music and intense artwork yeah. and somebody's mom just picks it up and has, <laughs> has no way to research it whatsoever because the internet doesn't exist. Right, right, right. And exactly. And they're yeah. in like 1985 staring at this or earlier. Right, and right. Obviously, I mean, this record came out in 1970, so right. you can step that back even further. Just being like taking it at face value and just being appalled. Yeah. And that's why I love Black Sabbath so much. I mean, I've got... I have a pretty expansive vinyl Sabbath collection, and I've really been getting deep into collecting Russian bootlegs and Korean bootlegs. Interesting. Because Western music was banned at the time, and they yeah. sound like dog shit, but it's, yeah, like, it's, sure. it's less about that. It's more about like the spirit of people wanting this music so bad that right. they're willing to like go to jail for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like the artwork's fucked up, and it's like partially in English, partially in Russian, but it's just really, it's really cool that... People would like, you know, I, I imagine when I hold these copies of someone like hit it somewhere in their house or under their bed. And, yeah, no shit, dude. And they were just like, like this meant so much to them and these riffs. And I don't know, without Black Sabbath, I don't we wouldn't have modern heavy music at all. And without uh, and, and Black Sabbath and a few other bands, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah, cool. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, but, yeah, but really like Tony Omi losing two fingers and being forced to down tune and basically turning blues into heavy metal was yeah was pretty fucking incredible. So yeah. Yeah. Shout out! That was my first Black Sabbath track. I, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. You held out though. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Got to end on a strong note. I, I, I always give you. I like the reason I say that is because I always think that, like, especially if we're looking at the era of like the '60s, sure. uh, you know, where so many of the aesthetics of modern heavy music started to really form. Sure. Um, I always say it's it's Sabbath and Hendrix. Like what we do could not have Fair. happened. Without both of them, sure. because the some of the, because the ways Hendrix was going about it, again, purely blues based, yeah. but just expanding all the way they ex, the Jimi Hendrix experience expanded these songs into something that was spacious and arena filling, very much in the way Sabbath did too. And so, like that, that's what, like I said, like there, there's there's always more than one in my opinion. Like sure. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm no, just saying, no, no, it's no. one of those things where I'm like, I'm like dude. Definitely Hendrix has to be part of that discussion, sure. in my opinion. And I'm, 90, I'm 99% confident that Tony Omi created downtuning in the way that it's used today. Yeah, probably. Because because I mean, he's definitely the first like artist like sure. everyone knew about who well, was doing that. Yeah, and for it was sure. out of necessity. Yeah, know, for sure. Losing two fingertips in a, right. in a warehouse work accident. Yeah. Still wanted to play guitar, forced him to change the way he played. Right, exactly. So who knows like where we'd be. Yeah. And also, you can't compliment me for holding out this long to talk about Black Sabbath because <laughs> I think my third track was an Aussie song. So, like, I, I, I was stepping that way. Right, right, exactly. Uh, great, greatest heavy band of all time. So, <laughs> all right. So, my last one will be um, favorite band of all time, Radiohead. Um, again, perfect. I, I God, I, I love. Very little fills me with as much joy as Radiohead music. Radiohead's music does. And they have so much good music, but specifically on, um, I forget if it was 2000 or 2001 or somewhere in that, that era, um, when they put out the album kid a, mm. the first song is this song called everything in its right place. And it's just organ. And it's just super sorry. I got it. I'm struggling for the words to describe it. It's, it's intense and 
sort of terrifying and how foreboding it is. Like it's one of those things that gives you a sense of dread, Sure, you know, and I just love it. And it's just such a fucking cool way to kick off the album. And it's also one of the albums, the first albums that I got to use, um, I think it was super popular in the early 2000s. Like I remember like Melt Banana used to use it too. And I think like Faith the More used to use it. But it's this, this thing called, Bjork used to use it too. It's called a chaos pad where you could live sample something and then start deconstructing it. Yep. Like with this, with this little basically like pad that was on this thing. And they used that in that song. And they used it in the recording of it. And they That's used cool. it live where they live sample Tom York's vocals. And then when it gets to the end, he just starts just deconstructing them. Yeah. And just fucking with it and it's just such a cool sound and so yeah that was that one I didn't have it earlier on the list because I was like yeah I don't know but like yeah that one I'm just like nice. yes it's an amazing amazing song it's a good track did you say that was your last song uh, I did I got two more <laughs> I, was, I was gonna talk about another Black Sabbath song alright do it however I was gonna talk about some Dio era Sabbath uh, <laughs> did you just grunge kinda why I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah, I, I love Dio, but, like, Dio Sabbath, I'm just like... We have matching Dio era Sabbath tattoos. Bro. I know, because it's a great lyric, and it's a cool <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say this. I I think anybody that writes off the three Dio era... I mean, there's a lot of... I'm, I'm not writing it off. I'm not okay. writing it off. I mean, I just Plenty like... Plenty of people do. Plenty of people jump off at Ozzy. But yeah. the thing is, Dio made them a different band. I, I think that's where my thing is with the Dio stuff is, because Dio... <laughs> The reason I groan has nothing to do with Dio era Black Sabbath. Sure. It has to do with Dio, in my mind, being inherently ridiculous. Uh, Like, he was almost like a caricature within metal. Like, when you think about, like, 80s metal stereotypes, like, like, not the, like, you know, misogynistic womanizer drug addict type stuff. But when you think of, like, wearing body armor and posing in all your photos wearing a snake, you know, like shit like that, you know? Before he did his solo stuff, the two bands before that were Elf and Rainbow. So, like, for God's sake, the man looks like he fronted a band called Elf. Right, right. But, um, Mob Rules, absolutely incredible record. Right. Um, I really think what, what Dio does and Ozzy does and is, Ozzy's more of a vocalist that sings to the cadence Mm. and Dio just soars over tracks. Yeah, it's very um, much so. And they're very different vocalists, and I love Ozzy, and I'm not going to take a dig at him for not being Dio. I just think they're different. Right. Um, but Turn Up the Night is the first track on Mob Rules, and that song is sick as fuck. It's just yeah. kind of like this galloping galloping track with these ridiculous guitar riffs, and I think it it kind of... Those those two those two initial records um, really kind of just put a little bit of life into a band that I think was falling apart. Yeah, 100%. Like, way too many drugs, and you know, later... Dio did quit Sabbath because he didn't like the size of the, of the photos inside the live gatefold, and he thought that his should be bigger. Um, <laughs> really, at the end of the day, like Black Sabbath is Tony Iommi, always and forever. He was, yeah, he, he yeah. was the only consistent member of the band throughout the entire for career. sure. Um, but when 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 Dio came back, they did Dehumanizer, and that record is sick as fuck. That record is fun. Yeah, some yeah. some mid eighties weirdness. But yeah, if you if you haven't explored. Dior Sabbath. If you're anti it and you don't have a valid reason, please start with Mob Rules. Yeah, definitely, definitely a great record. And the title track, which is uh, halfway through the Mob, the Mob Rules, has a, a song, a line that still still fits today, where he says, "If you listen to Fools, the Mob Rules." Yeah, that's the tattoo we got. Yeah, dude. I, love it. I love it. Unfortunately, love it. Sad but true. You know, <laughs> this track came out in 1981, the year I was born, and still still rings true. Mm-hmm. Exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> All right, how many more to go? That's it, I'm done. Okay, okay, okay. You got one more? I've got two more, so I need to make a game time decision here. Let's talk about um, both. Okay, I can talk about both. Um, one is just, um, so one is, uh, 
from the album actually called self-titled uh, Five Year Winner by Zayo. Yeah. And I remember, you know, Zayo is one of those bands, you know, and people talk about how, you know, they definitely have a couple different eras. And a lot of people will talk about their first era. They'll dismiss it because they were hardcore Christians in their first era. I never paid attention to it, not because of that, but just because it was that period in like the late nineties where you had all these, a, a lot of times really talented bands, but people were perfectly fine putting out shitty recordings, you know, and a lot of it is the constraints of what they could afford. And I understand that, but that was like, I slept on a lot of early Zayo shit because I just didn't like the recordings. Yeah. Like they, they were just, I was like, ah, I can't hear anything. This fucking sucks. But I remember I used, uh, for a, re- for a brief time, I'm working at Amoeba records in San Francisco and I was going through the back or like the receiving area, which happened to be where like all the like gnarly metal kids all worked. Yeah. Cause I could just sit back there, like essentially in the dark, just playing carcass all day long. <laughs> like, and, uh, I remember walking back there to get something and hearing, hearing this riff that I was like, Oh my God, what is that? That's the sickest shit I've ever heard. And this guy's like, yeah, it's like these Christian dudes at Zayo. And I'm like, what? And it was that song. Sure. Like, and just like, yeah, to this day, like, holy shit. I get so, still get so excited about that song. Uh, but the other one also in, you know, a very, you know, very, very heavy band that, uh, a band that I've always loved, but I, I just don't listen to it very often. Um, uh, the black Dahlia murder. Sure. And, I remember somebody asked me about that band and this is why I went back and revisited their discography, but they have, uh, I want to say it's the third or fourth record. I think it's called ritual, but the opening track is a song called moonlight equilibrium. That's just absolutely one of my favorite riffs of all time. It's just such an incredible song. And the, the video is really rad too, because it's like a werewolf movie. Yeah. Where like one of the guy, like one of the guys in the band or something like he's playing like a, a, a a servant like a butler or something, you know, he gets fed up with these rich people just, you know, shitting on him and he turns into a wolf and just kills them all. Okay. <laughs> I was like, tight. I was like, even, yeah, I was like, even, even if the song wasn't good, which it is, but even if it wasn't, I was like, great song. Here we go. Like awesome video. I didn't realize that band put out nine records in 16 years. Dude. Yeah. They have so much stuff yeah. like, and most of it's fantastic. And they're still like, still going. I mean, rest in peace, Trevor. Yeah. Totally. Like that, yeah. There's that current, um, black doll, your murder terror tour. That's going oh, yeah. on right now that I'm actually pretty pumped to go to. Who's the replacement singer? Uh, the guitar player moved to vocals. Oh, okay. Which yeah. makes sense. I think that's the only respectful thing to do. And yeah. They just decided it didn't, make, didn't feel right to let it die. Yeah. And I did see I videos that. of the first, like they did a tribute show to him. And it was good. It was really good. Yeah. So. Nice. Rest in peace, Trevor. Yeah. Um, thank you, guys. Appreciate you, you joining us for those number ones. And if you have an opinion on something that we discussed or a track that we missed, you're welcome to blow us up uh, on our Instagram specifically is the place we engage the most. Facebook is is weird. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not actually not even sure we have a Facebook page. Do we? I don't remember. I need to but check. I'll, I'll make one just to have it, but I mean, fuck Facebook kind of. We're, we're not like, going to. I'm going to be honest. We're not going to check it. Yeah, but I, I kind of want to have it just so no one else grabs it and like just fills it with Jesus memes or something. I mean, we'll fill it with our own Jesus memes. Yeah, but, that's fine. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> like, I'll make my own. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Now, so hit us at, at uh, our sincerest condolences mm-hmm. on Instagram. If you want to, you want to say what's good, give us a follow. If you haven't already, um, tell us we're wild. If you want to talk about alien app for him again, bring it up. <laughs> if you want to talk about Limp Bizkit, you can, you can hit us up directly. We'll have a side conversation. <laughs> right. But we'll talk through there so that Mike can still read the messages and make that grin. He just and, yeah, and, and roll my eyes yeah. about Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yeah, seriously, thank you all. This has been this has been rad.
Everybody yeah. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for listening. We appreciate uh, all the awesome feedback. The ridiculously long playlist will be in the show notes yeah. <laughs> on Spotify. And uh, pretty soon we'll get these all up on YouTube as well. So, um, yeah. Again, thank you very, very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.